understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Stranded Phase Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hurley, and guys, I've done a lot of solo episodes lately, so I needed somebody to come on and just set shit straight as we end 2020. Like, ending or ending 2019 going into 2020 we're ending an entire decade and so we're not going into 2020 with the anxiety the depression the level of fear that is consuming us the doubt and i needed an expert like i can only tell y'all so much i needed an expert so my guest today excites the hell out of me y'all get ready get a notepad get a pen it's about to get serious so today's guest a serious mindset coach helps entrepreneurs like me already on the road to success who get caught up in limiting beliefs. Like I would be lying if I told you guys that this shit has been easy. Like there have been moments where I've had 10K months. There have been moments where I made $3,200 and there are moments where I made the most money and looked in the mirror and was like, what the hell are you doing? Who do you think you are? This is not for you. And it is so important that you have people in your life that can guide you through those moments. Because again, we're all imperfect people just trying to provide value to this world and have a significant impact. And there's going to be just major roadblocks. And remember the most, the most important relationship you have is with yourself and nobody talks more shit to you than you. So you need somebody in place that's going to help you with that. And so this mindset coach, this awesome mindset coach, founder of the Mindset Reset Intensive, founder of the Escape Your Thought Spiral, which literally I'm constantly in a thought spiral, just awesome therapist. I'm probably about to fire mine and hire this one. And just all around badass. I love her. Like I love watching her. I've been, I've loved watching her journey and I love what she can do for other entrepreneurs and just empowering them and just clearing up the shit. So without further ado, I'm so excited to just have this woman join us and welcome Topsy Vanderbosch. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I am like so, so pumped to be on this podcast. You don't even know. Like your energy is a force to be fucking reckoned with. (laughs) Can I just say that like probably four months ago, I started like actually finally, it's been two years and I actually started cussing, like finally started cussing because I was like so worried about like, you know, and it's like through your transition, you start trying to like, you're like, okay, I can insert a little bit more of me. It's like a job. I used to coach teenagers on getting jobs. And I was like, no, no, you have to fake it till you make it. Then when you get in, you can slowly yeah. like open up to become yes. yourself. So yes. I'm like a little bit more of me every time. And now I, I tend, I curse and I'm like, Ooh, like I curse a lot on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready for my ass. <laughs> Apparently I don't know enough of the English language. So <laughs> no, you- cursing makes it so much fun. <laughs> it does. And it's just, it's, 
it's not on purpose. It's not to get a reaction. We're just being no. us. No, yeah. It's just fun. It's just fun. And speaking of just being yourself, like the reason there's a thousand mindset coaches out there, right? Hundred thousands. Like yep. people that are all saying good stuff. But this woman in particular, the way that you show up authentically as you, I was like, I need more of that. Like I when I see someone that I'm like, ooh. I need more of that. I'm like, I need her on the podcast. And the way you show up as you. Oh my God. Tell like how, tell these people, like what, when did you finally get to the point where you were like, I'm unapologetically showing up as that bitch. Like, Honestly, I think I just got tired of my own shit. I got tired of the overthinking. I got tired of wondering what so-and-so was going to think of me. I got tired of wondering whether my, you know, like a dude I talked to in high school was going to watch, was going to listen or watch my stories and think, who the hell does she think she is? I got sick of it. You just get tired of being fucking tired and scared. And, you know, I'm not to get preachy, but God does not want us to live a life of fear. And so why am I living a life of fear? I'm going to be unapologetically me. He accepts me as I am. And that's all I need. That's all I need. I am a work in progress and I am unapologetic about it. Ooh. And if you've got something to say that says more about you than it does about me. Silent claps. Silent That has claps. nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with me. That's your own issue. Let me be on, like, answer yeah. this for me. Maybe one or two here and there, but are people really reaching out to you and saying anything? Nothing. What literally all in our head. Not a peep. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, one of my best, like a few of my best friends in the world watch my stories all the time. And at first it was very uncomfortable for me, my Instagram stories. And it was very uncomfortable for me, for me, for them to see my Instagram captions and my Facebook posts on my business page. All of that. I was very uncomfortable because I was like, they grew up with me. Like, I can't fake the funk. You know what I mean? Not even if I wanted to. So if I'm not even, if I'm showing up in a way that I'm not in alignment with who the person that they know, they're going to call me out. And so I just became really fixated on just being myself because my friends are going to hold me to it. They're going to be like, Topsy, you are not showing up the way that you are. You are crazy. You are loud. You cuss a lot. Why are you acting like you're just little Miss Prissy? that ain't ever done shit wrong in her life, that ain't hood sometimes. That's just not the topsy we know. And so I became obsessed with just wanting to just be more of me. So actually, it's very strange that in having a lot of my closest friends that I grew up with listen to my shit and listen to me talk and teach and ramble, it's made me feel even more confident because I know that I'm going to be held to the fire if I don't show up authentically as me. So actually that actually helped me out so much and it helped me not worry about the losers who I made up in my head were judging me because really all that matters is how do I feel about myself? How do I feel about how I'm showing up? So I'm always auditing myself in a good way. Like was I completely myself today? Did I show up the way that I would show up to my husband? So Mm. I know if I'm on the couch with my husband and he's laughing and rolling his eyes, that I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm showing up as me today. I'm being me. I'm being a nut. And he's like, yup, that's my boo. And she is, she's off her rocker. She's literally off her rocker. She is so embarrassing. And I love her for it. That's how I know. That's like my... That's like my barometer of knowing that I'm being myself and I'm showing up the way that I need to. Because if he's not doing that, I'm being a little too safe. 
Yeah. And that's just not who I am. That's not how I show up. I'm blunt. I'm loud. I say shit that people don't want to say. I can be very direct, but I hope hopefully in a loving way. I'm a funny ass chick. I mean, I'm a funny bitch. So I want to always <laughs> show up. Love it. <laughs> I love that you talked about using your friends as a barometer because I, yeah. I do a lot of episodes and content around like dropping, letting go of your unsupportive ass friends because there will yes. be some. But oh, yeah. on the flip side, what you're saying is some of the most important checks and balances I've had mm-hmm. have been the friends that have called me and been like, hey, I listened to that episode and like you were like half of you. Where was the rest of yeah. you? And yes. I can appreciate that. And I think the barometer for that is that I always say, you can give me constructive criticism. I can take that shit. I'm a grown yeah. woman. But if yeah. you're not living life with me, if you're not, you never been to my house before, if you're not in my right. circle, if you don't know my man, if you don't come to my kids' birthday parties, like if you don't send Christmas cards, you don't yeah. get a say. You absolutely do not. You don't you get, get a say. You need to say not a damn thing. But if I do life with you all the time and you call me and be like, I listen to that podcast episode and you was kind of fake. I'm like, okay, time for self-check. I appreciate that. You would only do that for me. But like the people outside of that that you're really worried about, which is the people that you ain't talked to in a year. No, right. People are like, that girl, that's what you talked about earlier. That's the jealousy. That's the, they probably are thinking that, but one, they're never going to say it. And two, it's inevitable. If you made more money at your job, they would judge you. If you do yes. nothing from this point on, they'd call you lazy. Like yes. I tell people all the time, judgment is inevitable whether you hit the mark or not. So you might mm. as well just take the hell off. Like. Yeah, yeah. And, go, and go for it. And yep. go for it. It doesn't matter. It, doesn't. it does not matter. It does not matter what you do. So yes, I think that using your good friends, the people that you respect, the people that you feel emotionally safe with, yep. using them as that, yeah, as your checks and balances, I think that's going to be, it just helps. It just really helps. And it just helps have you focus on the people who matter. Yes. And not on the people who don't. Yes. Because people are going to fall off in the access. Let them. Yes. Yes. Let them. They will. Yep. I want to ask, I want to take this back entry level and I'm, this is really just, I'm asking for me. Like, (laughs) this is me. Keep it real. (laughs) Y'all want to listen, it's fine, but this is for me. Can you define for me the difference? Because I feel like I talk with a lot of clients or I've even asked myself this at times. What is the difference between anxiety and depression? Ooh, so anxiety is this belief. This is really good. Anxiety is the belief that something is going to, it's that underlying belief that something's going to go wrong and Mm. it's not based in reality. It's not based in reality. So you're fearing something that number one hasn't happened yet. And number two, there's no evidence for it. Oh, I know exactly where I'm anxious now. See, that makes sense. Yes. And then depression is depression. Like, I guess if you're looking at it, it can be caused by a situation. It can be situational, but the chronic or the, the chemical, I guess the chemical imbalance piece is where you feel as if you're crying constantly. Things are not working out for you. You are isolating yourself from friends and family. You are feeling guilty all the time. You are tired and fatigued a lot. You're very easily discouraged. It doesn't really take a whole lot. It's a whole lot for maybe for you to like roll out of bed. So like really with depression, it affects like five core areas of your life. I think four or five. So like your sleep, your relationship with family, occup- you know, your occupational. So it's affecting your work and your ability to show up. Like actual clinical depression. That's what I'm talking about. And clinical anxiety. Mm. It needs to be affecting these core areas of functioning. 
in your life. Okay. Uh, so I like mm-hmm. what you, I like what you just said about clinical depression and clinical anxiety. Yeah. So that that's very clear. That just helped me clear up yeah. a lot just now. And then I'm so now I'm thinking there's several from the physical to the mental. There's several things that I'm still anxious about times where I'm way more anxious than others, but there's things in particular that make me very anxious. Like I'm anxious. I'm an anxious flyer. Like I just very anxious when I fly, extremely anxious. And the way you explain it makes perfect sense to me because I'm in fear that something's going to happen that usually doesn't ever happen. So that's where the anxiety comes from. I get it. And there's no, and there's no evidence for it. Exactly. You've never been on a flight before where anything like literally fatal happened. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, where does this come from? And then I have anxiety around business, of course, when I feel like I'm not getting enough done. Okay. Okay. When you're not, so it's very situational, it's situational. So it's situational anxiety. It might not be clinical. Okay. And so then there's people with clinical anxiety where they like fear the thought of that, of things happening all the time. Yes. Like it's literally a part of their daily, like they're, yeah. So it's, it's, it's affecting like their core areas of functioning and they find it difficult to just be able to just show up and just be themselves because they, they have these like, you know, whatever their worry is, whether it's like social anxiety, whatever it is, but it's affecting those core areas of functioning. So that's how I would determine the difference. So some people just don't have clinical or clinical depression or, or clinical anxiety, but they have situational, you know, situational anxiety. And of course, situational depression can happen when you are grieving the loss of someone. So you typically are not a, you know, a person that's often depressed, but you've been this like life event has occurred and it's really shifted the way that you view so many things. And mm. so situational depression is, it's not a diagnosis, but it's definitely a thing where maybe you don't meet criteria all the time for, you know, clinical depression, but there's certain pockets in your life where you're like, yeah, I was definitely depressed, but Absolutely. I came out of it within like a few weeks or within a few months and things got better. But with actual clinical depression, it takes a long time, you know, for there to be some recovery. And you might all always have these triggers, but just having the right coping skills to deal with both of them is really what's important. I know the shit is heavy. Yeah, I've watched a lot of people deal with situational depression. Like my yeah. mom was depressed for she was clinic well, clinically depressed. Yeah. Situationally for like two years, like she was on meds, but it was, it's very clear looking. She's fine now, but looking back on it, I can clearly see that it was, it was because her entire life had to shift. So until she got into this place of a shift for sure and got comfortable in it, was she able to start to digress from the depression? Yeah, for sure. Yep. That happens a lot. So for everybody, it's not this necessarily this chemical imbalance. Sometimes it's caused by situations. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. it's, It's super deep. Same thing with anxiety. Yeah. So I always question anxiety because I'm like, there's so many moments where I'm like, why, why is this freaking me out? Why am I thinking about the worst possible situation? Isn't God in my life? Like, what what is wrong with me? (laughs) You know, and I like, I think what I've talked about before on some other podcasts that I've been on is the difference between anxiety and worry. Because Mm. a lot of the time we muddle the both up. So we're we're calling ourselves something that we're not. A lot. That's why I wanted to get clear on this. So worry is worry. What I, I'm not saying that you can't also interchange it with anxiety, but I do think that meaning matters. So when you're worried about something, it's literally resolved as soon as maybe you're off the plane. So yes. when you when you fly, you're scared about flying. You have all this like you know, bubble guts in your stomach, maybe on your way to the airport. You get on the flight, you have bubble guts. You know that you're getting adjusted to. You know the plane takes off. 
it's like the whole like there's a little bit of a you know it's a little bumpy until it reaches out you know the optimal like whatever and then they coast and then you coast on the plane then you feel a lot better and then of course the worry comes back when it's about to land yep then yep and then you get off the plane and you get to where you need to go and you're good i'm happy as hell I, I get off and I'm like, I'm in my city. I'm in a new city. Yes, it's time yes, to party. And then yes. like, I don't get mad again until I get to the airport. So I would say that another way to change the way you look at your anxiety is to label things worrying. Like I worry, I worry a lot when I get on the plane. Mm. It's very situational. It's not clinical. Mm. It's literally. So another way to kind of play tricks with your brain is to call it worry. Like, oh, I worry a lot, you know, or when I go to the airport, I worry about not being on time. Mm. You know, I worry that I won't get through TSA, you know, checkpoint fast enough in order for me to get on my plane. That's worry because as soon as you leave, the airport is resolved. Right. Wow. So a clinical anxiety is actually more crippling and debilitating. So I was going to say, so how many entrepreneurs do you deal with that you think that they allow simple Mm -hmm. worry Mm-hmm. to become the crux of like what's holding them back. Oh yeah. There's so many. There's so, I would say the entrepreneurs that I've done mindset reset intensives with, that's like a lot of it is that they worry about not being able to create consistent income. They worry that they're disappointing their loved ones by not, you know, being super financially stable on a recurrent basis. What they view as financially stable, I guess, by the way, they worry that, their content isn't good enough. They worry that they're not gaining enough followers. So I think that for a lot of people, it just becomes this constant, they feel like they're always playing catch up. Mm. They always feel like I'm never enough. So it goes back to not feeling like you're enough. Woo! That shit is deep. Not feeling like you're enough and not feeling like you're performing enough. Feeling like bad shit's going to happen because I am just effing up. So... Okay, two points I want to make here real quick because this is powerful. There's a lot of people listening right now that haven't even started because of that, that they're, because they think they're not enough. They're waiting to get to this point where they feel full enough to do this thing or where they feel like they'll, they'll be able to qualify that they're good enough to do this thing. So that's one thing. But two, I love that you're pointing out that you work with very powerful entrepreneurs, people that yeah. are already making significant income. Oh, and this yeah. does not go away. It does not go away. New levels, new devils. Girl, I say that all the time. Yes, you are levels of devils. I say that all the time. <laughs> I've worked with entrepreneurs that have like, you know, that have like a hundred K months and they yeah. still and this it's a human thing. You know, they still struggle with feeling like they're enough or that they're deserving of it. So it doesn't or, go away. It's about handling it differently. It's about how do you deal with it. That's really it. It's really about how you cope with it, how you call it out, how you recenter yourself, because that's just your ego wanting to keep you safe. Woo, I say that all the time. <laughs> Your ego doesn't want you to be embarrassed. No, your ego's experiences before it's trying to protect you. Yes, that's all it is. That's all it is. So it's all about how you handle it. So it's not about shaming yourself that you feel that way. Because a lot of the time we put these expectations on ourselves. Like I should be farther along. I shouldn't still be dealing with this. I should have this. I shouldn't have that. Shoulds to me are the enemy. That language that you're using is what needs to go. Because we talk the most shit to ourselves. We talk Nobody the most shit to on ourselves. planet Earth is like, Jessica should be further along at this point. No one. <laughs> 
and you and you would probably cuss them out ten ways, ten way, you know, ten yeah. ways to Wednesday, right? Because that shit would not fly. You'd be like, "Who the f do you think that you are? You ain't done all this work. I did. <laughs> I did it real quick, right? <laughs> we put them in their place real quick. So why don't we put? Why don't I put me in my place when I tell myself that? I think it's because we're used to it. We we become conditioned to it. So it we just think we need it. Normal. We, we think, think that's we how we, we keep think, ourselves pushed yes, and keep going. But it's not. It's not motivating at all. It's actually the opposite. We feel like, okay, if nobody else can talk to me like that, I'm going to talk to me like that. But then it's like, but it's not working. It's not. So let's try something different. It's not working. It's not working. So talk to yourself with love. Take out the word should from your language. Should equals shame. When, when you think about it, whenever you say to yourself... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we're on video, and as soon as she said that, I grabbed a pen. Like, hold on, hold on. Should equal shame. What's Oprah oh always God. say? That was that was tweet worthy. That was tweetable moment. Should equal shame. Go ahead. Should equal. Sh- oh my God, that just cracked me up. Seeing you lean forward and grab that pencil just took me out. <laughs> I, I know good moments when I hear one. I will never forget that. Should equal shame. As soon as I hear should in my head, I'm gonna knock that thing right out the park. Yep, yep. Because here comes it's the shame. shame. Yeah, here comes the shame. You should have been farther along. Yep. You messed up. You shouldn't not- have had a bad month. You worked yeah, you too sh- hard for that. Like, oh my God, it's so destructive, and it doesn't feel good. It feels like shit. Think okay. about how you feel when you tell yourself should. It doesn't feel it good. It destroys me again. And then guess what? I have anxiety. I'm like, oh my God, what are you going to do differently? You need to wake up earlier tomorrow. You need to get more done tomorrow. If you could just get more done tomorrow, then you won't feel this way. Like I Shame. try to get rid of the feeling by proving to myself that I am not the person that I think I am in my most shameful moments. Isn't that crazy? It's literally shame. The biggest battle is all, it's me. Like I'd be battling yes. me. Like, yes. Yes. And I also think too threes are very much achievers and so you're always looking for ways that oh, you our, can our worthiness lies in what we're what we can do for others and what you produce what yeah we produce absolutely so when she says three guys that's i've talked to you guys for before about the enneagram if you haven't taken the enneagram test yet take it it's enneagraminstitute.com and it's so worth your time it's it's a little time consuming but it just helps you really understand how you, what type of person you are when you're healthy who you work best with what type of person yes. you are when you're not healthy. And I'm a well-oiled three, which means um, I constantly fight daily, not trying to prove myself or my worth lying in what I can produce. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm an Enneagram seven and sevens are just very outgoing and loving. And we love to be the center of the party. We love to make people feel good. We are very theatrical. Sometimes we are a blast to hang out with. Sevens often make really good social workers, really good healers because we just love people. However, sevens really struggle with showing vulnerability, with like showing like the real side of them, the side that isn't always super positive. Sevens struggle with like crying and just like simple things like that because we don't ever want people to feel sad because of talking to us. We always, it's very interesting. I know it's so interesting. So I've had to work hard at being vulnerable and being honest about I'm not like, because I think that sevens expect to be the life of the party. We're expected to make people laugh. We're expected to always be whatever it is that we are. Oh, can we talk about this for a second? I was just talking about this. You just said something that really just rung a bell. So 
my fiance and I were just talking about celebrities, right? And they're doing mm-hmm. all these drugs and it's because, you know, right. and it doesn't justify that they're doing all mm-hmm. these drugs, right? But a lot of them are getting themselves in big trouble or we've got several of them passing away right now from yeah. drug use. And we've watched several interviews where people have talked about like, the best way I can explain it is like a comedian, right? So you, yeah. comedian goes to a party and they just go to have fun and everybody gets around you and they're like, huh you going to make us laugh? Like, what are you going to make us laugh? Like, you're supposed to make us laugh all the time. And I've gotten myself into this situation recently where every time I meet someone that has been a listener for a long time or mm. they're dying to get on the phone with me and we get on a call, I feel this insane amount of pressure where they're like, say something great. Say something inspiring. Like, make me feel the way you make me feel on the podcast. Like, and this could all be in my head, but people will literally get quiet and I feel like they're disappointed as soon as they meet me. And mm-hmm. it gives me anxiety because I'm like, in person, y'all, I'm just a person. Yeah. I, I put a lot of yeah. I put a lot of work into giving you value every week and put the work in to really share what I go through. But sometimes I'm just a human. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that this gives them anxiety is they have to show up as this person all the time. And it's not a fake version of you. It is. It's actually the best part of me. Yeah. But I'm not the best part of me all the time. Right. Does that make right. sense? Oh, that does make sense. And it does make sense that it can. And I feel the same way. You know, there's a lot of time where, you know, I. I've worked with people and they're like, holy shit, like this was awesome, but I expected it. And it's like, whoa, like, what did it look like if you like, what would it look like if you were disappointed? Right. Like, thank God that you're feeling very inspired and feeling like you can go and make shit happen. Yeah. Because what if I wasn't on that today? What'd you say? I said, because then you ask yourself, well, what if I wasn't on that today? Like, would I still be worthy? You know, I mean, I know I would still be worthy, but how would you view me? Like, would that change? You just would pointed you be- that out. That makes a lot of sense. As a, as a three, that's it gives me anxiety because I fear disappointing people. Oh. Yeah. That's what it is. When people meet me, I'm like, God, I hope I'm the same person I show up as in person as I am, yeah. like, or on the mic as I am in person. And I fear For that sure. immediately they're going to be like, you don't show up as that same person in person. There's, wow. There's a level of disappointment that I fear. And that Even gives me anxiety. Even though you're a human being and there's so many aspects of you than just the version that you show. People only see 10%. So whatever the 10% is, that's what you're seeing. And it's still me, but that's not me all the time. Right. You might catch me. I might be out with my fiance drinking and I might not have anything yeah. for you. Like at all. At all. I'm just having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm just relaxing. Yep. And maybe mama has some time away from her beautiful son Cam. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he is so freaking cute. Girl. Anyways, I could like watch him. It gives me baby fever. And People I don't live baby- in his life. I'm like, cut it out. They'd be like, I'm just waiting on Cam. I'm like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, cut it out. <laughs> I see people in person and they're like, I just live for those videos of Cam every morning. I'm like, like, okay, well, I ain't gonna worry. Don't worry about me then. Don't even ask about me. Baby Cam, I got it. (laughs) You gotta get it somehow. I'll I'll, I'll pimp the kid. It's fine. He's so freaking cute. Thank you. Oh my God, I can't, I can't. But yeah, like I think that performing... You know, performing like to perform. That's the word performing. Yep. You feel like you need to perform. Oh my God. You know, perform or else people are going to throw fucking tomatoes at you. And it's the anxiety of doing it over Is and it over and over, over again. and over. Cause you're like, can I just, can I just chill? 
Yeah. Can I just be myself? And we're afraid that if we just chill, people won't like that person. She's not. Yes. Yes. She's not entertaining me. People are not for your fucking entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Entertain, entertain your damn self. Topsy woke me up this morning. (laughs) People like entertain yourself. Yeah. You know, I would never, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of stand up. you know, and I've been, I've been around, I mean, and you, you might have to, but I've been around a lot of like A-list, B-list celebrities, all of that, but I would never, ever expect for them to be the characters that they play. Right. Even though that's a part of their personality, they're funny. And it doesn't make them fake because that is the best version of them. But that's their job. Yep. That's their job. And now this is separate. Mm. one of my best friends is an actress and it just I would never ever I want for her when she comes and hangs out with me to just be able to just chill and kick it right and be herself right you know she wouldn't and so if you wouldn't expect that of your best friend don't expect that of other people Mm. but you know what I'll be real I don't think that any no one has ever said that to me that's something I have created in my mind very true like I'm not, I'm not downing anyone because not a soul has ever said that to me. Right. I just get anxiety about feeling like there's like this moment where yeah. I feel like people look at me and they're like, "Oh, you're not as inspiring in person." But that's a reflection more so of what you're thinking. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's important, you know, for us to know the difference. Know the difference between it actually happening and there being actual evidence that's happened before, and then know the difference of when it's something that you just feel self conscious about. So let's, let's break that apart for a second. So again, so many listeners right now haven't even started or so many have started Mm. and they're selling something or they're out there pushing a product or trying to launch something, or they're just doing what they were told, which is to put your voice out there. Cause a lot of people tell you just start Mm. by putting your voice out there and they feel like they're not getting the results, which leads to discouragement, which leads to uncertainty, which leads to, I'm not doing the right thing, or maybe I'm not the one, or maybe I don't have it. So now that all of this has occurred, that's leading to anxiety, that's leading Mm. to confusion. What are some things people can stop and ask themselves? In these moments, they're like, yeah, I feel that way too. What are some things we can stop and ask ourselves? I think one of them is what are, you know, what are the unrealistic expectations that you're having that's holding you back from continuously showing up? What, what applause are you hoping to get that you have not received yet? Which then we're making the process about us. Oh my God. Say it again. We're making the process about us and not about the impact. Because here's the thing, if you're even if you're not having like 500 people buy your product, like, okay, I launched the Escape Your Thought Spiral course. I launched it on probably the worst sales weekend of the year on Black Friday. And that's the <laughs> and best I, thing. You know, but you know, that's like the day where only your hot leads are going to buy it. It's not right. going to be, it's not the day where like your whole business model shouldn't ride on that day, in right. my opinion. But I launched it only because I wanted to introduce it. I wanted to introduce it before the new year. I plan on relaunching it in or opening the course back up in February, 2020, but five people, five amazing freaking humans who saw the value. They were my hottest. I don't want to say leads because they're freaking people, but they're the hot, like they're my audience members and, and friends that are like, I need it. And I needed it yesterday. Right. These are amazing lives. And so imagine if I would have been like, ah, that's not enough. Right. 
Because the purpose was not to sell it to so many people. The purpose was to change someone's life with it. And now you have five individuals that you could change their life. That chose to spend a lot of money over $600 with me. Wow. That is, like, I don't take that lightly. And if you don't take that seriously, you better believe that the universe will never, like, give you more. No. If you 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 can't work with what you have, you will not be given abundance. No. Amen. Like, literally, it's so true. For some people, that's a whole paycheck. Think about it in the corporate world. That is somebody's whole paycheck. Oh, beginning of the year for me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I did not have $600 to spare. Yeah. No, like you're putting that in savings right? or whatever, yep. you know? So I, I try to go back to that place of gratefulness and thankfulness and just recognizing that I get to change these people's lives. They said yes to themselves and I'm going to honor that yes. And I'm going to serve the hell out of these people mm. because these people are what's going to create that bridge for more people to be like, holy crap, this course is jam-packed full of value. Yes. I, I want to buy it. I want to get in on the next round. Yep. This was exactly what I needed, but you know, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how amazing it was. Those testimonials, it's going to, it's going to help, help the course sell itself. Exactly. But we don't realize that when we're caught up in the numbers, we're caught up in all the hype. Oh my God. I keep seeing people that they've never added value to the world and they want to launch something or do an event. And then you're like, well, it didn't sell out. And I guess this isn't for me. And I don't know why. And I I told them everything that was going to be there. And I'm like, no, you tried to sell them an agenda. Like an event agenda is what you tried to sell them. You didn't sell them how their life was going to be transformed. You didn't sell them on what they were going to learn or leave with or how they were going to be able to apply it to their life. And you've never given value to this world before. So you better give the best value you've got to the people that you're about to serve. And then the testimonials will sell everything else that you do after that. But if you, the analogy I use all the time for this is church. If you go to church and you can't tithe with $20 in your bank account and give $1.50 or $3 or $10, you won't give it when you've got $2,000, $20,000. You won't give it. And so if you don't serve the people that you have now, like to the best of your ability and not just for yep. the sake of testimonials, but for the sake yes. of like, I look at it as like, a, um, you're testing your theories. Yes. You have an opportunity to take these people that believe in you and prove to them that they invested their money. Well, they can mm-hmm. believe in you. You know what you're doing. You can give them value enough to where you can, right. you will get testimonials without asking. And then yes. you can go serve some more people. It is yes. life. It is the epitome of life. You yes. will prove, prove yourself to these people and then that yep. will get the ball rolling so that you can have a bigger impact. But yes. you don't get to come out the gate that way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I think that that's what holds people back a lot is because of comparison. So because honestly, I probably would have never experienced comparison if I didn't know what other people were doing. Facts. So because I know what my peers are doing, which is great, I'm so happy for them. But imagine being in your own bubble where you have no idea what the industry standard is. And you're like, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. You would not be burdened with thoughts of, oh, my God, I'm not enough. That's so true. So you have to learn how to put the blinders on. Yes. You have to put the blinders on and you have to create those boundaries for yourself. You have to not consume so much under the guise of gaining inspiration or supporting your friends. You need to support your damn self first. 
So I, I heard this the other day and it really resonated with me. This guy, I was listening to um, one of the podcasts at my agency, were, um, one of our clients, and the guy said something so unique. He said, everybody would be lying if they said they never got on Facebook, saw a post, even a close friend, and they got a real estate deal or they got engaged or they got something and you were like, damn, I'm jealous. I got to get off of here. Oh, people are, yeah, people are lying if they don't admit to jealousy. Right. When we, I mean, people, some people struggle with at least envy on a daily basis. Mm. You know, the, f- the fear of what someone else has. Well, you can't, or the fact- you can't serve from that place. No, you can't because you are not, number one, you're not laser focused on who it is that you are serving and what you provide and what the transformation, you're not obsessed with your own shit. You're obsessed with someone else's shit. Oh my God. Y'all. Because how, how many of us, how many, I mean, just keep it real. How many of us become obsessed so much with other people's amazing, probably amazing programs and services. You need to have that same amount of energy about your shit, about what you can create. Put half of that energy that you put into other people into yourself and see how you get the reward tenfold. When I'm obsessed, I don't see shit. I don't see anything. I don't see you. Like people will be like, did you see this? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm so laser focused on what I'm doing. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even look. And it's not even for the like, I love that you said that because it's not even that I haven't even had to tell my mind, shut everybody out, put the blinders on. You don't need to be focused on competition right now. I'm so obsessed with the value that I'm about to give that I'm like, that is all that matters. You just keep your ideal client in mind. You keep what you give in mind and you make sure that when they, when they, this person leaves me, will they have left a changed individual? Yes. I'm not looking at anything else. No. That's irrelevant to me. That doesn't help me. Yes. And it's like, so you're not obsessed enough with what you're doing if you're dealing with comparison or you don't believe in what value and impact you're trying to have on the world. You don't believe in it enough. No, there's not enough of something as it relates to what it is you're doing. You need to be obsessed with what it is you do. Otherwise, other people won't be obsessed with what it is that you do. So what you're hoping for is in the work that you're avoiding. Right. So what it is that you're seeking is in the work that you're avoiding. So if you are seeking more support from your audience, if you're seeking more financial success, if you're seeking more leads or whatever, then you need to put that same amount of work into what it is that you provide. So what you're seeking is in the work that you're avoiding. All right. I know I got to I got to let you go soon because you've got bigger and better people to preach. You stop it. No, no. I would love to come on for a part two because I love to run my mouth. We might, but I got one more thing for you because you've talked about this before and this is something I suffer from is this, this, and we've kind of talked about this people pleasing. It's Mm. like, how do we destroy or get clear on providing value for the sake of providing value and providing value for the sake of people pleasing? Because there's a difference. Yes, there is a difference. So I truly believe that and I think I talk about this on um, my stories. But for those of you that aren't familiar with me or what it is that I talk about, I talk a lot about the fact that people pleasing is just another form of manipulation. Woo! So when we people please, when we people please, we are not showing people who we really are. We're showing people the version of ourselves that we think that we want them to see or that we think that they want to see. Sorry. So we're not being real. We're not being authentic. We're being manipulative. So people don't know you. They don't know that you really don't want to do it or whatever it is that you're doing. They don't know any of that. 
but that's what they're seeing. Right. They think that you do because you agreed and you said yes to that contract or you said yes, but really you don't feel that way at all. And you're doing that relationship a disservice. So I think that's important to keep in mind is that number one, you're manipulating that person to like the version of you that you're willing to show them. And um, we just take away that that person's ability to get to know us Mm -hmm. and actually have a real relationship instead of a relationship with the person that you're deciding to show them. It's a mask. Yes, it's such a mask. Because if you think about it, people that people please, I get it because we all fall into it sometimes with family or whatever. But in business relationships, it freaks me out only because I don't know what you're really thinking. I don't know you. So if I hear that you were disappointed actually about something we talked about, but yet you made it seem like you were good with it, instead of saying, huh, I feel a certain type of way, but I haven't processed it yet. If I hear that it's the complete opposite, I'm kind of freaked out because I, I, now I don't feel like I can trust what, you, what it is that you say. Mm. So yeah. I think we need to start seeing people pleasing a little bit more serious than what we have been. Yeah. Because we're not allowing people to get to know the real us. Mm. And we, some of us are so deeply rooted in it. We don't even understand how poorly or how badly it destroys us. Mm -hmm. I I have to check myself every week and set boundaries because I will say yes to everyone and make, and, and have said no without knowing it to everything that I need. Wow. Like, yes, yes, yes. To the coffee date. Yes. To the lunch date. Yes. To a phone call with you that is only for you and nothing for me basically. And then now I look (laughs) back and my business is behind. My team is falling apart. We are not making, hitting our revenue marks and I'm spent. But yet I've hit on everyone else that needed me this week. Everyone else around me that needed me is taken care of. But I'm not, my business is not. And these are the two most important things in my life. You know, and it's like, wow. And But the problem is, and this is what I feel as a, innate former recovering people pleaser is the problem is, is we feel like when we say no, we give you the door to say the open door to say, Oh, well, she's too good for me now. She's too, she's too ahead of herself. She's too busy. She's, she thinks she's somebody she's not now. And again, we circle back to this like conversation in our head. That's so true. And I think that that is interesting that we do that because that person either a is most likely not even think would, wouldn't even think that at all or B that has nothing to do with you. That's none of your business. Mm. You can't control that, but it's because we fear we have this illusion of control. We want to control the image that people have of us, but we can't control that at all. (sighs) We can do our best to do all the things I can give all the disclaimers about who it is I'm talking to when I'm like getting real talk on my stories. I can do all of that, but someone can still choose to be offended. And that has nothing to do with me because I did my part. That's a you issue. so valid is we're attempt. We think that through Instagram, Instagram stories and pleasing and showing up for everyone, we control the narrative in everyone's head of what they think about us. And we don't, you know how many people they try to do all the right things, but all the right things, but yet they still get, and these are like entrepreneurs that are making like bank, but they still feel very triggered when someone that they weren't expecting says like, uh, she just runs me the wrong way. And they're oh, like, well, what the hell I hear did it I do? All the time. 
People I love, I have friends that are like, oh, she's not my speed. I don't like her. See, that's the thing. It's like, you can't control what other people think of you. That's that's none of your business. Yep. People are not going to like you just simply because you are you. Mm. And they don't jive with you. Mm. And honestly, that's okay. Stop trying to control that. Stop trying to control that. It's okay. Everybody ain't for you. Jim Carrey said that. Did you hear that when he said that? I do. I remember that. Depression is when you're tired of being a character that you're not. I love that. I was like, oof. And I love that he's like switched the narrative and now he's in all these serious movies. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, I think that we have to start seeing people pleasing in a different way than what we have been. Cause that's the only way the cycle will stop. And, and is the first step being selfish? Is it like, kind of like stepping back and setting boundaries and saying no and just, yeah, I think, yep. I think people pleasers, we don't know how to be self-centered, right? You know, that. (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) when really the act of people pleasing is very self-centered. So you're already doing it. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, it, it is. It's very self-centered. It's very egotistical. It's very all. Of, it's all about you. Absolutely. And you want to portray. So I mean, if you really keep it real, you're already doing it. Golly. So it's not going to be hard. <laughs> it's not going to be hard to transition over to reframing. So it's about the reframe. I'm really big on the reframe. It's something. It's not easy to implement, but it's simple to do. So that reframe includes being able to say when I am, so instead of looking at it as I'm going to say yes, because I don't want for them to be disappointed in me, it can be, I'm going to choose to say no, because this is how our relationship will be better if I decide to not do this out of obligation or finding that positive, finding that positive uh, result that is going to come from changing your behavior. I'm and you really see how that went to me and not to the other person. Because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to ex- figure out how I'm going to explain it to them in a way that it makes sense. But you oh. just explained it to me in a way that I have to explain it to me. Yes. I like that. Yes. Like and I so, have to reframe it in my mind that I'm not disappointing someone. Yes. You have to, you have to, it starts within. So you have to say, when I am authentically myself, I give other people an opportunity to know me in a different way or in a more intimate way. Um, when I am not saying yes, because of fear of rejection, um, I am giving myself an opportunity to, to show that other people can't reject me. I can only reject me. So it's like finding that result, that positive Mm. result that's going to happen as a result of you not people pleasing. That could be the first step into not doing it because you're looking at it as a benefit to you. It's not about them. Kudos to you, mama. You were (laughs) amazing. Thank you. So guys, really, um, you just got let in on a therapy session between Tati and I (laughs) and Jessica's severe anxiety and people pleasing issues. So you're welcome. (laughs) We invited you in. You're welcome. I love you, girl. This is so much fun. So tell my audience where they can stalk you with all your beautiful colors and your vibrant soul. Where can they find you? They can find me on the Instagrams. I'm always active on Instagram stories and on my feed. Instagram at Topsy Vandenbosch. It'll be in the show notes. T-O-P-S-I-E-V-A-N-D-E-N-B-O-S-C-H. And you can also find me in my Facebook group, Reset Your Mindset, Slay Your Fear Giants, Make Bank in Your Business. You can search that. Slay Your Fear Giants. Yes. I love this. Keep going. (laughs) And you 
<laughs> and then you can find me on my website at topsybannonbosch.com. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for just helping us with anxiety, depression, people pleasing, and all these major limiting things that keep us from being bomb as hell. So thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.